0: Hello there, listener. You've tuned in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast with Andrew and Tiffany Couch. We're very happy to be bringing this thing to you every other week as we get ready to go on our big two-year journey from California to Alaska and then down to South America and back. It is currently uh, April, and we are leaving in May. That's not a whole lot of time. May the 1st, we're taking off with um, our little dog, Pele. I got to tell you, before I get into this episode about Paley, that uh, crazy little thing, out of no fault of his own, was attacked in his own driveway with his, uh, his people right there with him. I was standing right next to him, and two big-ass pit bulls jumped on him and nearly killed him. It was a highly traumatic, remarkably violent uh, moment. And fortunately, I had help from my neighbor, Ian McLean, a guy that we actually rent land from. He kicked one of those monsters in the head while I was smacking him, and they, uh, they let go. And our dog was able to get, a, get away, and we took him to the hospital, and he had stitches and drains and all kinds of stuff. But he's all right. He's wearing a T-shirt right now, uh, which is a little funny to look at, but he does not find it funny at all. So that he doesn't tear out his stitches. Anyhow, he's gonna be all right. But it was uh, it was a little scary. He's a lucky guy. So with that uh, in between now and when we take off, if uh, if Pele survives, uh, we're doing these podcasts, and uh, the podcast that you're about to hear is with our friend Antoine Lamam. I went to massage school with Antoine, and he's a uh, he's a great massage therapist. But he's also just one of those guys who's done a ton of different things. He was a translator for the UAE government. Um, he was art director for an, an uh, advertising co- company. He's a psychologist, uh, and he's a, a clinician. He does—he's um, a counselor actually for a, a methadone clinic. Just a, a very interesting guy. And you know, it's one thing to define someone by what they do for a living. Antoine is really a, uh, a poet, and. Uh, for sure an amazing drummer the uh, the music that you heard at the intro that was antoine uh, playing uh, a dumbek kind of like a it's a arabic tabla and uh, and some really cool uh, arabic tambourine it's it's amazing and he, he plays some throughout the episode we we sat down with him in his house with his little dog uh, sesame who was hilarious this tiny little chihuahua uh, and uh, we had a great time. And he, he played both of those instruments for us and we recorded it. So I'll, I'll scatter some of that in between. And he suggested some really good music that is also on this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it. Tiffany enjoyed it. We, we think he's just a delightful, interesting character. So anyhow, I, uh, I want to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you to those of you who've given us just straight up cash on GoFundMe. Bhishma... Deva, Narbona, and New Orleans, you're a good character. I don't care what everyone else who knows you says about you. I think you're all right. Thank you, sweet prince, for your lovely donation. Uh, And all of the rest of you who are helping us out, um, man, it really helps, especially with this weirdly increasingly expensive dog of ours. Um, We're uh, we're just so grateful that you listen in and, and contribute any way that you do. All right, so without any more of me, I want to introduce you to Antoine. Antoine, what's your last name? La Mam. Lamam
1: Lamam means in Arabic comes from a verb lamma lamma means to pick up something to pick up something yeah like pick her up you know you know like viva towels paper towels yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's what the uh, the original your family had in mind way back Uh, cleaners maybe (laughs) who knows Yeah, yeah pick it up well uh Antoine thanks for letting us come in your house. You're very welcome. Um I know you've uh, I just asked you off mic if you would read us some of your poetry. Um do you feel comfortable reading in Arabic and then translating
1: after? Yeah, I can. دعيني اقبلك قليلا. دعيني الحس حلاوه الدنيا من شفتيك الورديتين. دعيني ألمس فيك مكاناً لا أحد تجرأ لمسه فيك من قبل مكاناً تحلق فيه النجوم بعيداً عن حزن الأرض دعيني أذوب في عينيك بريقاً دعيني أكون إحساساً في يديك يجمع أجزاء المكسورة دعيني أحبك كما يهوى القمر وكما تعشق الكواكب المنثورة I say, let me kiss you a little. Let me taste the sweetness of life on your lips, of your rosy lips. Let me touch a place inside you no one else has ever touched before. A place where the stars float far away from the sadness of the earth. Let me melt in your eyes and become a beam of light. Let me be a feeling in your hands that gathers my broken parts. Let me love you like how the moon loves, and how the planets passionately fall in love with each other. that was an
0: impromptu translation just yeah. reading back that's really incredible antoine thank you you're welcome you use uh, i've I've had the pleasure of just reading a few of your poems you use a lot of um uh cosmic imagery
1: stars and light and uh, yeah i feel they cosmos. are i feel like they are a part of us yeah. you know i mean everything in the in the universe is a part of you yeah they even found out recently that the retina of the eye looks exactly like the solar system, like really? all the planets and all the, you know, the stars and stuff like this. Star-y they're already lover. inside your eyes, yeah. <laughs> you know? Who knows if you're looking at them or they're looking at you. Yeah, it's okay. an interesting so, way to look at it. it's just,
0: That That, I like the, uh, the cosmic imagery. I mean, one, it's just that, it's like the sea. It's one of those, those weird borders above and below that we just can't quite seem to totally explore. There's so much of the sea that we've not touched. And clearly an enormous amount of the cosmos we have no concept yeah. of.
1: Like Robert Frost, he, is, mm. he was an American poet, yes. very famous poet who wrote about nature. Mm. And he said, I'm here now looking at the sea and I can't see in it and I cannot see beyond it. You know, but there is something about it that brings up feelings for people and sensations. Yeah, Um, and everything in nature is the same thing. Yeah, if you really, if you really look and you really listen, and from a a deep part of yourself, Mm. you know, to the birds, to the you know, I do a lot of meditation in my garden. Yes, and where I sit and listen to the fountain or uh, the birds, you know, swimming in the fountain and. Everything around you is like music, really. It's like a musical instrument in this universe. But most people are just, they're in their heads, and the noises in their heads prevent them from getting close to themselves. Sure. And it is an art to really get close to yourself. Hmm. It is one of the most amazing arts. That's why we we end up sometimes not knowing how to get close to our families, get close to our kids, right. get close to people we love. Mm. You know, something just uh, comes in between. Yeah. So if you know how to let that go, and you get close, because that's the secret of life. Yeah, to be at, at peace with yourself is the only way to be at peace with others. And yeah, because if you cannot get close to yourself, you will always have a distance. Yeah, between you and others or whatever you're doing.
0: Right. Well, that's another thing about your your poetry is that that sort of cosmic imagery is a distance unfathomable. Yeah. And you're writing about someone who clearly you want to achieve greater closeness to or to celebrate the closeness of, yeah. but with imagery that is of the furthest point from you. <laughs> you know, well, the you know, stars I always, in when your When I was hair. a child,
1: I'll, I always ran to nature. Because, you know, I lived in the war and I ran away in the war when I was 14 and it wasn't peaceful, you know, because of my sad childhood, uh, I always ran into the trees and the, you know, I felt at that time, like nobody really understood me. Even I started writing poetry at the age of six.
0: Now, when you were six years old, you were living in. I was living in Beirut. In Beirut, and this was—I don't know if you are. You do you mind me telling the world how old you are? <laughs> no. How old are you? Fifty-eight. So at six, uh, that what year is that? When you're six years old, that's. Uh, that was uh, sixty-six. Sixty-six. Wow. Nineteen
1: sixty-six. That's yeah. a heavy time to double be double sixes. In. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then, my, my my dad was a filmmaker. Right and he was at that time in egypt uh the president of egypt jamal abdel Nasser. he um, just became a president and tried to kick out all of the foreign com- uh, foreign uh, companies that they were in egypt that he wanted only the egyptian companies to to bloom and nourish and so he kicked my dad out his company my dad had a villa um a car everything they uh, he accused him of selling movies to Israel at that time that was not a cool thing right not a... so they threw him in Gaza strip and my mom didn't know anything about him for 2 years wow they imprisoned him in yeah in Israel. Gaza in Gaza wow. for all false accusations yes and took his money and his villa and his car and, and then we went by a boat to get him we knew he sent a little message with a guy coming from Gaza. And, and my mom knew that he was still alive. Wow. Because she didn't know where he was. And we were little, like, yeah, and um, so we went. And the funny part was the sea was so huge and there was a storm. And I saw a boat, like our boat got wrecked and people dying the water. I was six years old, oh maybe less gosh. than six, but I started riding at six. That that stuff stayed in my mind, you know, and I was one of the guys who kept like, I was little, like maybe five at that time, and I was running outside to look at the other boat, and I remember my mom telling me, come back here, you're going to fly in the wind or something, you know, yeah. and I didn't care. I felt like I was, I could see angels at that time. Wow. It was a very angelic time. Yeah, and then we picked up my dad and he was not feeling well, you know. Yeah. They, uh, I don't know what my mom did to to get him. I don't remember the, the facts about that. Likely know. a bribe, someone paid, uh, someone. Something happened, yeah, because they really yeah. had him there. They didn't want him to go. Wow. Um, you no, know, he wasn't imprisoned. Hmm. He could go anywhere he wants, you know, but he could not leave the country. It was like a big prison. You know, right? So, wow! And then they let him go. I don't yeah. know what they did. So some big people talked. You know, right? Somebody's hands got yeah got greased and. But uh, it was an amazing experience for me as a well, kid. Yeah, yeah. I think I was maybe five, not even six. Nineteen wow. sixty-five.
0: Yeah. And that's when you felt the sort of that muse calling you to write. Yeah. Your experience. That's mm-hmm.
1: uh, that's uh, started from there, from that experience. Wow. And my connection with the sea, my connection with the with nature, yeah, and the planets, and uh... And
0: that's you know, it's the connection of the planets that helped Uh, us navigate the sea. You know, (laughs) that's another weird connection of that sort of distance between the two and how we managed to make it. Yeah, and somehow it all mapped on the landscape of women (laughs) and your imagination with the sea and the uh, the cosmos. It's really cool. So let me just. I'm sorry, we're gonna get back to, uh, to Beirut. So you're, you grew up, that's where you're I born. I was born in Beirut. Born in Beirut. But
1: my parents moved around a little bit, you know, at that time because my dad was, uh, you know, he came back from Egypt and he didn't have any money. Yeah. So we, we, we were poor for a while. We lived in a hotel. Yeah, when I remember I, I hated it because I had to take you know showers and use the bathrooms with other people in right. there.
0: Were you guys working, like kind of helping run the hotel or you're just living in it? That was like- No, we lived an in apartment. there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah. And fun then fun. we moved to the mountains. That was very magical because yeah. that's when I fell more in love with nature. Yes. And I used to write my poems, you know, on the forests and stuff like that. And, and my dad loved the hunting. He used to take me with him all the time and walk the mountains. And What were you hunting? What what's you what hunt animals? Birds. Birds. Yeah. We used to, to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was a great fisherman too. So we fished. We ate a lot of stuff like natural, natural stuff mm. from the sea and uh, from the nature. Yeah. The only thing now is that I feel weird about killing, you know, birds and animals. But, yeah. Uh, for survival reasons, you know, right. I have to
0: do it. What brought me back from the brink of vegetarianism and veganism was going fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine is a huge fisherman. It's his favorite thing to do, and he couldn't go. And it was salmon season, and there were salmon out there biting. So he, he sent me out there for him to go catch fish and bring them back for him. And uh, it's not a very deep insight, but I, just kind of in watching these fish come after our bait and catching all these big salmon, it's like, that's what the fish are doing; they're out there fishing. I'm using fish to catch fish. Mm. You know, if I were in the water and the size of you know fish that the salmon would like to eat, they would eat me. So I, I didn't really feel too bad about tricking these salmon onto the boat with other fish and then eating them. You know, so I, mm. you know, I'm not a huge, I'm not a hunter. I have no problem with it. You know, if people are out there hunting for meat and for you know for sustenance. I, uh, you can't. Yeah,
1: there's something about fishing is a little different. It's a little different, but yeah, it's it's a perceived,
0: too. it's a perceived difference. You know, there really, there's no, the hierarchy of animals is just a concept that we've come up with. There isn't really an actual hierarchy of animals. It's just, we have the capacity in our brains to think there is, you know, or to mm-hmm. tell ourselves and each other that there is a hierarchy, but we're all just animals and some animals eat other animals and I think it's all right, but sorry, that's tangent, not, <laughs> not relating to what you are talking about. So you're in the mountains in Lebanon with your dad hunting birds mm-hmm. and fishing. No. Did you go fishing in lakes or did you go out? No, the Me- we go to the sea
1: to the Mediterranean sea oh, and the Mediterranean sea has so many different kinds of oh, fish yeah. that they don't have them here. Sure. And they're really delicious. This uh, fish over there. It's what just, do you miss the most? Uh, names you never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Mwasta. Mwasta. Uh-huh. I don't know it. Hamur. Hmm. zbedi. There's so many different fish. Yeah. I could name 20 of them, and yeah. they're, not, they're not here. You're not going to find them. You're not going to find them here. Mm. You know, when we went to United Arab Emirates, ran away from the war in, I was 14. They have also, because they are by the Red Sea. Yes. They have also amazing different kinds of fish. That um, And the shrimp. The shrimp is this big.
0: About a foot in long United
1: shrimp. Arab Emirates. Oh, my God. Wow. It's like... Uh, we used to barbecue, barbecue yeah. them, you know. And yeah. And very tasty. Sounds great. One fish you could have dinner. I mean, one one shrimp. One shrimp. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Over here they're like this. The shrimp. The shrimp. <laughs> what do you think sh- of? The, the, the shrunk. They are- shrunk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: a lot of time together. Now you have a brother as well. Just one brother, or how two. many? I have two brothers. The two other brothers? one is a musician too. He's a violin player.
1: Violin player. Yeah, we're one. We were we were one band, you know. Yeah. And then I uh, split. I came here to this country when I was twenty, mm. trying to work on my degree in medicine. Mm. So I started. Uh, I, I did a lot of courses in pre-med. Yeah. And then I found out that because I was a foreigner, I couldn't get into medical school. Why, why not? I was a foreigner. They went, That's what the advisor told me. My counselor at the... That sounds uh, like bad university. advice. <laughs> yeah. If you if you study medicine in your country and you come to United States for specialty, that's different. Mm. You could get accepted there. From there, you have to write them. But if you come to this country, you start, start, start from... Start all over again. You can't get into medical school. There are a lot of politics. Huh? Yeah. And that's one of the mistakes. So I changed my major. Studied psychology, and uh, yeah, and I became a counselor. You, know. and you still practice?
0: You're a yeah. practicing psychologist uh-huh. now. uh what, so, what's your area of expertise? Your addiction. addiction?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, we are all addicts.
0: Yeah. The coffee we're not, sure uh, was good. If
1: we are not <laughs> addicted to something, we're addicted to our minds. Right. You know, and. Uh, doing the same thing over and over and over again, you know. Yeah. It's like 50, 50, 60, 70 years, you could sum them up with one day. Because yeah. they're almost the same. Sure, sure. I mean, what you're doing right now, you're really breaking the addiction. you're gonna I may be travel. addicted to You're going to gonna travel, you're going to do something <laughs> different. I always tell people sometimes if you if you wake up in the morning and you come out of the bed from this side, try to come up from the other side sometimes. Yes. You know, do something different to wake yourself up. Because when you do something over and over and over again, you fall asleep, and you become, you live in a state of sleep all your life. Mm. You know, People are used to waking up and having the same breakfast, yeah. the same jobs for years, and... um they're just, uh, ad- that's addiction.
0: I'm a little envious of that, uh, to be honest. I've I've not had a pattern of uh, regularity in my life. I tend to very regularly throw take it Take a laxative. You know? <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. I think I take maybe too many uh, psychic <laughs> laxatives. We just tend <laughs> to keep moving around and trying
1: different well, things. Well, that's why you're awakened. You know yeah. you know the Russian philosopher I studied, hmm. which he was Armenian, Gurjiv. Gorjiv. And his uh Spinsky. Ispinsky wrote a book about Gurjiv. It's called uh, uh Search for the Miraculous. Hmm. And he talks about how he met Gurjiv and stuff. And Gurjiv was wanted by the Russian government for you know, because he was intelligent and enlightened. You know, And Gurdjieff used to ask students, it's like uh, when they come to study with him, he says, can you stop your mind from thinking 30 seconds? Nobody could do it. I don't know that I could do it. <laughs> try. And tell me. Yeah. Some noise start happening. Right. Distracted distracted yeah that's how the nature sure. of the mind it is yeah you know so many so many noises that's why they created meditation right you know people ran away from themselves and yeah. you know they, they went to the topest mountains to to be alone and to figure out this noise that's right. in their mind well, let me ask you a question um you know obviously
0: quite a bit more about this than i do i'm i'm no psychologist uh but i'm, I'm always curious about um, the way people define things and the way people perceive things. So you, you help people with addictions now. Uh, and you said, we're all addicted to something. So there's that, that line between, you know, something just being a pattern and something being a pattern of addiction. Uh, do you see addiction? You know, there are people who treat addiction as a disease and there are people who treat addiction as just like a, it's never maybe not necessarily pathologized. It's just something that, you know, you've, uh, you've fallen into? Where, where do you fall in the, in the sort of defining of addiction? Do you feel it's a disease or do you feel it's like a, just sort of an anomaly that's sort of in all of us that we can fall into at any given time?
1: Well, if you become, you know, an addict of anything, you become a slave to it. Mm -hmm. So the line is going to be drawn there. If you had become a slave to it or you have not. I see. You know, because I know that uh, the clinic where I work and people come, you know, know—they're m- most of them are heroin addicts. Mm. And I work for a methadone clinic where we oh. give them methadone instead of heroin right. to level off the, the addiction in them. Sure. But you should see at 6 o'clock in the morning when we open the line of people mm. s- standing there trying to get that dose. It's like the end of the life. And if something happens to our computers or something happens like we're delayed a little bit in dosing them at yes. like 10, 15 minutes, oh man, Big deal. they go crazy. Mm. You see, that is slavery. Yes. That is the line that you're asking about. They already crossed the line because when you need that in your system, if you don't have it, you think you're gonna die right or something wrong is gonna happen to you mm. that is that's where you really, right that's where it becoming a disease,
0: sure, yeah. and that's you know that's a chemical in your body which is replaced chemicals you would naturally produce. yes and And
1: you know the the thing is you produce a lot of things by your brain if you really concentrate and you meditate you may be able to produce the same right the same hormones or the same you know substances
0: i I guess i've heard people describe so i I don't have i'm certain there are things to which i'm addicted that i'm just unaware but i've never picked up smoking like i didn't i i used to drink but i don't i never was like a you know, daily drinker. I don't know that I have anything maybe other than coffee and masturbation that have been like with me for years and years and years. As like no, are normal, I think right. But outside of that, <laughs> I don't know that there is anything that I'm necessarily that I can. Well, we you know, need to
1: talk about the masturbation. Well, if,
0: <laughs> it's good that my wife's here. That it helps really buffer the conversation <laughs> and keep you <laughs> keep you on track. But the mm. uh, when I think of like addiction as a as a pathology as like a disease you know it it's it could be anything you know if it's heroin it's heroin if it's cigarettes if it's yoga if it's exercise whatever it is it's a personality trait that is gravitated towards doing something to the point of just ultimate experience and so i don't know do you feel like that's
1: that is the pathology i believe that most people don't trust their bodies You see, your body is very honest with you. It's like alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol is honest.
0: Pretty honest, yeah.
1: You know, alcohol tells you, if you drink me, you're going to get drunk.
0: Yeah.
1: It's very honest with you. Yeah. Now, getting drunk is your, your problem. It's your issue, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, true. So your body is the same thing. Your body tells you what it needs, uh, and it's very honest with you. If you have pain, it manifests. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hide anything away from you. Right. Any like you have a problem with your knee? You did something right away. It tells you, you know, there is a problem there. Right. So deal with it. Yes. You know, some people deal with it differently. You know, everybody, depending on where you come from and what you have in your mind, right. your unconscious mind. But um, addictions are parts of our lives. Yes. And that's how Gurjiv talked about the curse of the universe. That's for some reason, something happened to this universe that got cursed by other planets or jealousy or something. That's why people fall asleep in this life. He only said only maybe 20 or 30% of the population have a chance of figuring it out. Hmm. The rest, they just live their life in a deep state of sleep. And that's where that addiction becomes a disease, hmm. that deep state of sleep. And you know, when you do something different and you're awakening yourself, that means you are already on the side of the 30%. That you know that there's something going on with you and you don't wanna fall asleep, but at the same time, it's hard right. to figure it out. Very, right, yeah. So you travel around the world hmm. trying to find home. I think I have a beautiful saying in there, is, I say I traveled the world uh, to find home, but I didn't know that home w- is who I was and who I am and who I want to be. Right. Something like this is not exactly what I said. Sure, but something to that I have effect. to find it. It's in yeah. my other book called Together. Together. Yeah, I have another book writing you've, beside you've, the passion of the Renaissance.
0: You've published two and there's a third to come.
1: Well, I published one, and I published a CD called uh, Echoes of Silence.
0: Echoes of Silence.
1: Yeah, it's a CD with music, and I'm on it playing music. Oh, wonderful. And my brothers are playing background music. I could give you a copy of my I'd CD. love it. Yeah, that'd be great. And um, Passion of the Renaissance and Together are not published yet, okay. but Confessions from Rain and Echoes of Silence, they yes. are. So uh, traveling the world trying to do something different. Yes. Uh, you're always looking for things to wake you up instead of things to put you more to sleep.
0: Yeah. Well, you've definitely done your share of traveling. You, know, yeah. you, you came here from the UAE. You said you lived in
1: Dubai for... I lived in Dubai for five years before five I years. came here. And then when I graduated from school, I went back to Dubai and I worked as a translator for a company. Wow. You know? And, and the, I always been a musician, so yeah, I always find jobs in music. music. Yes, you know, it's, it's in the blood. Yes, and, uh, that was an interesting job too, because I was traveling. I went to Pakistan, I went to England, I went to, wow. you know, for the job. Yeah, you know, I was traveling around. So,
0: yeah, that's a. Uh, and you were playing music when you traveled as well, or just that was mostly for the translation. Well, when
1: I traveled, sometimes it was uh, I traveled for music as well. Mm. You know for the translation I traveled maybe a week or so and I come back it's all was meetings and working yeah, and yeah. stuff like that yeah. but music yeah, I traveled I uh, I went all over the United States playing concerts and yeah I and mean, poetry readings as well yes you know all over the country
0: so when you when you decided to move to the states permanently um were you married at the time or you no. got married when you got here
1: no i got i married here it, it happened my first wife uh, uh, we met at a nightclub, mm. uh, and from the first, you know, we, moment we saw each other, it looked like we fell in love with each other. Yes, she was a dancer, and you know, when I get on stage and start playing, you know, it's hard for a dancer not to fall in love with me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I was young at that time. I was 26, 27, I think. 20, 26 and a half, something yeah. like that. <laughs> and she was older than me. She was like nine years older. Oh, man. But she had an amazing body, an amazing dancer. So and I I came here from United Arab Emirates on a tourist visa. After I, I, had, um, I was a student on a student visa. Now, a tourist visa, every three months you have to leave like you know so i was uh i just came to california i was living in florida and i came to california on a contract with a nightclub for a month you know and i she and i started dating and we deeply fell in love and stuff like that and i told her that i was gonna leave she said, where are you gonna go? I said, I have to go back to my country. <laughs> I'm here only touring, you know? Right, right. He said, over my dead body, you're going anywhere? I said, <laughs> I, said I had to go back because I have... He said, what, how can I keep you here? Uh, I said, the only way to keep me here is to marry me. He said, yeah, I'll marry you tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, that's how it was. <laughs> and that lady, you know, she's an amazing woman. Hmm. Uh, Till now, she still have my last name. Oh, wow! She never changed her name, and she's my friend on Facebook as well. Her name is Debbie, Debbie Lamont. That's great. And uh, we separated because of my dad, basically. Mm. You know, when my my mom died, my dad came and lived with me from the old country. Yes. And he drove her nuts. Oh, I, see. I see. And uh, you know, we had only one, uh, one bedroom apartment. And yeah. imagine, you know. Yeah. And he brought a friend with him, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Not... It was a very hard thing for her. Yeah. Even though you know, we had a lot of love, but we had a lot of problems with him. Sure. That I didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. And at that time, so uh, she ended up leaving. We separated um, for like a year. And I didn't know that she had the desire to come back. Till I present her with divorce papers because I I met someone else mm. and I was uh, and then she didn't want to sign them with divorce papers.
0: You played the drums too well.
1: The, <laughs> she didn't want to sign the <laughs> divorce. It drove me nuts because, you know, I said, I think she said, well, uh, you know, I left because I thought maybe we need time out, but I really miss you and I want to come back to you and I had another woman in my life. I said. This is really crazy, you know? Because wow. I did really like love her a lot, you know? And it took me a long time to get out of it. I had anxieties at that time. Sure. And um, I was going to the emergency rooms every two, three days. Really? Heart sick. After she left and my mom died, yeah. I had a choking feeling. Mm. Like I would feel like I can't swallow. And when I feel like that, and I was not top, Conditioners I used, you know, to be into natural bodybuilding and stuff right. like that. I Used to go to the hospital and said, What is this guy doing here? There's nothing wrong with you physically. I said, Yeah, but there's something wrong here. Physical
0: manifestation. So of they a start giving me Etiban,
1: you know, and all that crap that I threw in the garbage, you know. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't you like to use drugs anymore. No. So and then until I figured it out. Yeah, I was working on my master's degree at that time, psychology, mm. and my teacher, one of my teachers, helped me a lot, yeah. understanding myself.
0: Yeah, did you were able to finally link the anxiety of your yeah. mother and your and your wife to your physical manifestation? Uh-huh. Choking is a really interesting spot for it to. Well, because manifest. my mom was a singer.
1: Oh wow! I have to tell you, every time I sit down to write you, my ink becomes milk. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. So that's where that stuff comes from. Whenever wow. you have separation anxiety, mm. all what it is, is you are a little baby getting separated from your mother.
0: Mm. Yeah, you said something about that earlier, that you develop your, your sort of background, default personality between
1: the ages of, what, what did you say? Like, between, the, when you're born till you're seven. Till you're seven. Nobody can really damage you after the age of seven. Huh. You know, everything already happened to you. It's all written down. Huh? So, whatever you see after that is all a reflection of what you already have in in you unconsciously. Mm. So, your unconscious mind, as you know, it doesn't want you to learn anything new, as we said. It works as a guardian. So, every time you try to evolve or break that, something works against it.
0: I wonder what that, that's gotta be the, just the stamp of our evolutionary past. Like what was that's the That's
1: the curse that Gurdjieff well, called it a curse. He didn't a curse. even understand it hundred percent. Sure. He thinks it's a planetary effect.
0: So you think it's, it, might, it might be left over from our evolutionary past? Somehow. Like what was the utility in that? Like why?
1: Well, you need to travel to figure that out, yeah, I'll and report two years back. later we're gonna meet, and we're yeah, gonna, I'm gonna ask time. you the questions, oh boy, <laughs> I, I
0: think I'll be answering those questions with more questions, <laughs> seems to be the well,
1: that's that's how, yeah, you discover things is I agree I you agree. should have more questions than answers, I guess, yeah, you know the answers are there, really everywhere around you, hmm. it's like joke of dirt french writer french psychologist she said to the questions of your life you are the answer and to the problems of your life you are the solution so the more you seek yourself the more you get more answers you know you are already coming to this life you are already an answer for something ambiguous Hmm. Each one of us is just as unique as you see. I mean, I talk to a lot of people every day, yeah. counseling them and stuff like this. And every personality, even though addiction or no addiction, the human beings are just amazing beings. Yeah, what you can learn from them, we can teach them. It's just it's an endless thing. Yes, the soul, especially you could you could sense and smell somebody's soul. You know, no matter how. And some of them don't take showers much, yeah, but, quite uh, but I still smell their souls. And that's what I'm focused on, the, the, the soulful being in front of me. I mean, I, if I'm going to put my attention on their dysfunctions, mm-hmm. you're going to really hate people. Sure. But if you put your attention on that endless work of their soulfulness, you have an ocean of things to work with.
0: Let, let me ask you. How would you define a soul? How much? Uh, how would you define like what?
1: Like what is what is the soul in your in your in your mind? Well, the soul is is everything that is learning in you. Uh, that uh, it's the the thing that will never quit, hmm. even if your body quits. Hmm. You know, it is that seed. The moment you get that seed no matter where you throw it, something is gonna come out of it. Mm. So it is basically your seed. right? It's the seed of of your um, etheric work, etheric life. Yeah. And uh, just it came to be in this body for now, and all the complications that came with it, you still could see it if you want to. Yeah. You know, don't focus too much on the mind. Mm. The mind is just a jungle. You can't see anything through it. But if you go back to the to the source and to the seed, there is nothing but beauty.
0: So it's that essential part of a
1: person. Oh yeah.
0: Whatever whatever they're about, it's their, their essence, that's, not necessarily their true. complications. Yeah, or their,
1: that's the seed. And, and yeah. it just uh, it keeps growing here or there or anywhere
0: it seems like to me it would get cuz a, a lot of the people that i've enjoyed their art or their their music or whatever it is that they create it's whatever their essential nature is combined with their their problems you know I mean, you think about uh you know, musicians how many of them were just troubled and and you know writers and and poets and these people who had deep psychological mm-hmm. issues and they you know separation anxieties, they had, uh, you know, they felt abuse, they abused drugs, they abused alcohol, but they produced this incredible art, this incredible work. So it's, it's, it would be tough. And I'm glad there are psychologists out there who know how to parse this out, but to, to separate the essential nature of a person and the messy mind, Mm -hmm. which can create things like art and music and food and culture and all the things
1: that we enjoy. No, because you need to look at people from what they are, not from what they think they are. Most people don't think much of themselves. So yeah, when when I meet a new client or whatever, I I try to look at them from who they are. So you don't judge them because these problems are a part of this life. Problems are there for some reason, to make you discover different places of yourself. I don't remember the name of the artist, the writer, who said there are places in the heart are not yet to be unless you be. are places know, in the heart. There are so many places in the heart that you haven't discovered yet. Hmm. You need, you have to be in order for them to be, you know, so you have to again. It's what you are. You have to be, and and going that to that state of being, in being yourself. Discover that different places of yeah. your heart that you know. So everything in this life is all about learning.
0: Yes, I agree. There's with that.
1: nothing else, you know. And and thank God we have the seed hmm. to keep us going. Otherwise, as you see, like the body is not there for you all the time. No, it'll let you down. But that quick. seed will always be there for you. Hmm. And the more you, you learn on this dimension, is that what you take with you, and that's the signs of your growth. Yes. you know. And some people, for some reason, and I don't know if it's a planetary effect or not, but they will never learn. <laughs> um, they're just... Doomed to repeat the they're same just, mistakes. Even though they don't learn, but they are great examples like... For other people to learn. Right. You know, the, the, so every human being has work to do on this earth. Right. Even though sometimes if it's nothing, but it's still something for another person yeah. to learn. And that by itself is a blessing. You know, when I see these people who I'm working with and I see where their dysfunction I feel so amazing that I reach this part, uh, you know, of myself where I, I can enjoy anything I I like, enjoy anything I want. I probably will enjoy death too, you know, Hmm. because uh, everything to me at this point is an enlightenment, including death. Yeah. A song, a breeze, uh, the snow, whatever I see, uh, people, food, different languages, you know, everything is music to my ear. Yeah. You know, I don't focus my attention on the noise. I focus my attention on that peace of mind Mm -hmm. that I've reached.
0: it's interesting cuz it it reads in your poetry and in your and sort of your prose that you know as you're looking for that the stars and the cosmos and the sea and these other th- things those are pretty essential pretty uh those would represent i guess the soul of any mm-hmm. given
1: uh environment i say in my book together i say something about the moon it's like it has been in the same place for thousands of years Never change its place. Now the Earth may rotate around it, but the Moon is is there all the time. The Sun and the Moon have been there for forever. They do their work right, precise. You know, people look at them. People see them sometimes. People don't see them. You know, people experience the warmth of the Sun. Sometimes you can't. It doesn't mean it's not there. You know, for millions of years, they've been there for you. Yeah. Never change, never miss a day, never miss a moment.
0: And every one, once in a while, one sits directly in front of the other <laughs> and
1: creates <laughs> magic on yeah. the
0: planet. Which is, Did you get to see the eclipse
1: this uh, past I year? I saw parts of it, yeah. Was, My brother had a better... He was in Minnesota, I think. Where was he? Um, his wife or someone there. And they saw it. It was the, They went into the field... Yes. And, and they saw it was magical. They took pictures. And, uh...
0: what, you know, we got to see it. We were in Oregon, um, and we got to see it. We were in totality for over a minute. It was pretty special. But I, what I didn't quite think of at the time and I, I read about later was the, you know, the, the distance between the sun and the moon and the earth. Yeah, they're, they're vastly different in size. The earth is much larger than the moon, but the moon is and the earth are vastly smaller than the sun. But when you look at the sun and the moon and the sky, they look about the same size because of the, the relative distance of yeah. the sun makes it seem the, the same size as the earth. creates the, the illusion, yeah. The middle, right? And when uh, one passes in front of the other, the moon passes in front of the sun, one can completely, I mean, 100% block it out. And all you see is the corona, mm. which is, it's a phenomenologically rare enough thing that we've not been able to find any other instance of that anywhere else in the observable universe to us. We can't see another, we can't work out mathematically where that's happening anywhere else. That's crazy,
1: you know, to think of like all the- Well, you need to drop the mathematics sometimes. Drop the math? (laughs) Drop the math in order to see the magic. Sure, sure. And I've never really-
0: Well, so now in this instance, the math to me heightens the magic of it. And it it, it sort of uh, highlights the improbability and the, the, the beauty of the, that we get to see that, that we are just a bunch of apes down here on this planet that just happen to be the one planet around where that ph- phenomenon happens, where the sun and the moon can completely mm. shade one another in this in this sort of magical and bizarre way. So I hear what you're saying, drop the math, but mm. every once in a while the math is just as
1: confusing and beautiful as yeah. poetry. <laughs> you know, no, nothing really amazes me as much as the moon and the mm. movements of the moon. You know, mm. books religious books have mm. been written about that sure you know the quran is the islamic book for the muslims yes you know the the, the month of ramadan it's all about the moon yeah isn't that the symbol uh one of the the, the great symbols uh on the Quran yes. is a sliver the of the, the crescent yeah 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 it's on yeah. their mosque right on the mosque yeah, what, yeah. What,
0: what's the connection there
1: you... well they say that uh god created that mm. Uh, the different times of the the moon. Uh, it's like when the moon is new, and, and then it becomes a little fuller, and full moon, and right. and the effect of the moon on people's behaviors. Right, effect on the water. Affecting b- the, the water, gravity, affecting the earth. It has cycles, a lot so. to do. Why God put it there? They say, hmm. and it's it's mentioned a lot in their religious sure. practices and religious teachings. Uh, sure, the moon is an important part. When they, uh, when they eat, when they fast, hmm. when they, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a part of some yeah. people's religions even.
0: I would imagine uh, just about every early religion that was trying to help sort out why things happen on the planet. You yeah. Know, but
1: pre-scientific method, that was the scientific method. You know, today we have GPS. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago in the desert, they had the moon.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: The people used to to follow the moon, how they travel, and they would know where they're gonna get to the, the here and there sure. from the the, the uh, shapes. Yeah, different shapes of the moon. So, I mean, navigating by the stars and the moon,
0: uh, navigating wind to plant yeah. crops, knowing when winter's coming, all that sort of stuff. So fun.
1: the math, basically, what it does, it made our brains dull. You think so? You know, now you're dependent. <sighs> <laughs> Again, that state of falling asleep. Again, going back mm. to the same subject we started: yes. addiction, right, which yes. is my major, and being dependent on all of these things, mm. which you know it puts your your mind into sleep. Now we don't even know how to calculate anything except with a calculator. Sure. sure, we don't need to sit down. You know, every time you sit down and you write things. You are using all of your senses. Writing is very important. I did a lot of writing to get out of this anxiety stuff. beside yeah. the poetry. That, sure. You know, I write. And I like to write my poetry with a pen. Yeah. Instead of writing it on a computer. Because when you write you get really involved. Do you have nice handwriting? I that, feel like you would have nice handwriting. I do. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> hand the, the the pen and and your arm and your 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 brains, uh, yeah. It gets just involved, you know. And you scratch here and you right here yeah, and you, you, you get it. involved in your work. Smell the ink on the paper. Yeah. So the computer, the math, all of this stuff, really made people dull. Hmm. And uh, you know the GPS by the moon. Oh my god! So, uh, <laughs> is the as the dream of a poet, right? Right,
0: right. <laughs> uh, well, I gotta I gotta push on that a little bit because. Uh, the same was said about books and writing. When that technology first came out, people were like, why do you want to write everything down? Then you what? You, you know, who's going to remember anything if it's all just written down? Everyone will forget everything, and we'll just have to rely upon the books. But how much poorer would we be without the works, uh, all the great works, all this great writing, and the stories mm-hmm. that we're able to tell each other? So I, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate it, but I... I reject it. <laughs> because That's all right. No. No, I mean I, I, I don't reject it fully. But I, I I feel like those those developments and those little turns in technology that we're all we're all in the process of evolving constantly. Mm-hmm. I don't think evolution has stopped. I don't think it has the capacity to
1: stop. You know, with but, this with this kind of uh, life we live today, the mm-hmm. fast paced life sure. we're living. We do we need all of this stuff. You know, it comes with, with life. It makes things a little... Yeah. And, and it's amazing how it's falling into place. Yes. It's like now you get in your car. I mean, I have a gig three hours away from here, and I just type like it in put and there the you address. Go. And it yeah. is, you know, it is amazing. If I wasn't going to follow the moon, I'd be there three years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be able to make a living. Right, so, uh, right, right. So it is uh, it's amazing. Yeah. But it's still like... A, but I know
0: what you're saying about making you dull, because today... I I wanted to go somewhere, and my GPS was not working, and I don't have a map in my car now. I used to, I used to be a delivery driver in in New York, and we had maps, these little great little maps, and I did all five boroughs, Connecticut, New Jersey. I'd never been there, but having these little paper maps, they're on spiral bound books. I felt empowered to go anywhere that was in that book. You know, I never felt lost because I could always reference that book, and but without that book and without our GPS. You're just asking strangers, which there's always a way to find where you need to go. And, and imagine a
1: sometimes, way. sometimes I go places where the computer, your phone, and it doesn't work. Yeah, you're out of reach. And uh, yeah,
0: which you know, I've really the the more, you know, we've we've had cell phones for a while, and it wasn't until we moved out west, kind of where these things were invented, that we found so many places where they don't work. You know, on, all along the coast. You know, you yeah. get somewhere not terribly far from Apple headquarters, and the thing doesn't work. <laughs> like, what the hell?
1: It's, sometimes it's too much. Yeah, too much you know, information. Too much like the Silicon Valley. Yeah. So when I go there is like, oh, sometimes if you go inside the house, your phone doesn't work. You have to get outside <laughs> Right. to, uh, to catch yeah, the it's, signals.
0: It's a strange thing. There's no telling where it's all heading, you know, mm. but, uh, but uh, to your point of it dulling people and dulling society, I, I do get that, and I I... I I am there so much into
1: it. awakening the yes. mind all the time, you know. Yes, that, that does not mean I don't enjoy sometimes the state of sleep I'm in. <laughs> sure, <laughs> because you know sure. that's constant work. Right. You know? no, I mean I I enjoy a lot of the. I think the microwave, even though it's unhealthy, mm. but it's one of the most amazing. It's an incredible invention. It is incredible to To be able to warm up food, you know, before I, where yeah. I grew up, we had a, a stove. You have to pump it. You have to, right. And right. then wait for the water to warm up. And yes. you know, yes. Today, if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna be late to work. Yeah, there's no way you can do anything. The the trick.
0: So it's just it came filling that extra time in our lives with something worthwhile, which mm. is where I think to your point of of not dulling yourself. If you do have all this. Extra time at the expense of your technology. Yeah. Make good use of it. Be smart. You know, do. That's true. I wonder if would you mind reading me one more poem? Is there one in particular that you'd like in to English? read? Sure, any, yeah, in English? Sure. any In English. Well, let's poem. read
1: in English, so people can. I say, don't blame me if I walked up a tunnel of light, collecting the warmth of the sun, and the beams of the moon, from every leaf on every tree. Don't ask me why I gathered them in my little bag, carried them on my back, and walked with them to the end of the forests. At last I want to sit with them, sleep with them, and meditate with them for hundreds of years, just to feel what God felt when he was creating your marvelous face. I say I don't write about you for you to love me. I write about you for you to love you. I don't write about the birds because of their wings, but because of my freedom. And I don't drown in every sunset if I don't see the repeated shape of God in every color. I don't look at the flute from its wood only, but from its burning desire to play music. Love, my friends, is an inner business. It is the unbroken spring inside you.
2: Antoine
0: goes on and on i knew you were uh i knew you were a lover but man that's some beautiful stuff like that's
1: that's uh that's a work of
0: and it's all it's one it's one piece but about a hundred sonnets you said right yeah around a hundred sonnets i like that i say kind of the beginning of each one it's got a (laughs) it's like you're talking to yourself Telling yourself the story of this great love, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Well, you know, you have to remember that everything is happening from you. Yes, you know, this whole universe is a reflection of you. Absolutely. And and poetry is just a connection, right? You know, you you connect with with everything around you. You know, the the you connect for sure to the, with the moon, with the planets, with with the wind, with, you know. My first book, Confessions from Rain, there was another edition of this that came, edition one. And I wrote that in Mountain Diablo. I don't know, have you ever been to Mountain Diablo? I haven't been, no. It's uh, off to uh, Creek. Yes. So when I was having this anxiety, Mm. I I took off from work and I spent three months going to Mountain Diablo every day. I take my blanket, put it under the tree, sit there and write. And I wrote the whole book in Mountain Diablo, mm. and the forest. And it rained on me, snowed on me, wind, sun, whatever. I stayed there till I finished the book. Uh-huh. And that's what basically um, saved my anxiety. It got me out of my anxiety. Mm. So I decided to just, after that, what happened to me is to write a book. And I, I think because of my talent in, in, in poetry, you know, in Arabic is unbelievable. The poetry in Arabic that I yes. write. It's just but it comes very natural. And in English, I had to train myself to become natural in English because English yeah. is not my first language. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine how to do that. How to take lyricism from one language to another yeah, be... and
1: and and meditate on it and, and yeah. make it the language that I wanted. I don't I don't really translate my work. When I, I write this in English, I don't write it in Arabic and translate it in English.
0: So you write Arabic poems and write English poems. You're right. And never do No. You, you
1: I know. have some translations that people ask me, like you ask me right. to translate that poem. I never sit down and translate my poem. Sure, sure, And write it here. No, this stuff was written in English.
0: Right. that's a, You know, I've, I found that I read uh, Cervantes, the, uh, uh, now I'm forgetting the name of his great Don book, Don Quixote. I've read... Uh, the first one i read was like a fairly recent translation but if you read other translations of that work they're very different and they're still mm-hmm. telling exactly the same story but like the turns of phrase and the way people will take those translations like rumi
1: yeah exactly can you be know, very, very different. Rumi, i mean sure. the best one who translated him was coleman bark hmm. you know coleman bark was an english literature teacher right I think he was teaching in Boston somewhere.
0: Really subjective to and, find And he's that, a poet, voice.
1: but his poetry didn't make any. No, nobody liked it until he started translating Rumi. Yes. And people fell in love with his work, mm. you know, and Rumi fit him very well. And he mm-hmm. went to Iran and studied Persian for a long time. Wow. So he could really live the language. Yes. You know, the translator, he worked as a translator. It's a very hard job. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. You know it is. it's very hard to to also because you have to look for the ideas behind be, right. beyond just the words. yes you know And now I, I translate for an orchestra in Michigan. I translate Arabic poetry into like Arabic songs into English. Wow I make I make money that way. That's great. That's a job for me. I, every two months they do a concert. you have 10, 12 songs and classical songs in Arabic they're this big and I translate them and I translate them with my own way of translating sure because I put my poetic uh mind in, into the into the writing in the and I itself. got like the bread and butter yes. of the poem and to translate it and and turn it to you so you could as an American person sure you know, understand it you understand the depth of this right. work
0: there, there are things that i am again I'm no uh linguist but from what I understand of Arabic, specifically in the actual speaking of the language, like the the breath and there there are things represented in the way that you pronounce and enunciate words that we don't have a um, an equivalent in English. You know, there's no deeper meaning than just saying "if and but the God toast." You know what I mean? They're just words that the meanings are in the definition. But from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like to say the word, like when you say "marhaba," like welcome, that that, that breath has a significance that mm. relates to God in a way that we
1: we just don't have a, is all, that, the is words, that a thing? all the is that words all the words in Arabic that has the letter "ha" in it. It has to do with sadness, sadness, you know, sadness, and breath, because basically the word "Allah," mm-hmm. Allah, it's a breath thing, right? It's to take a breath. That's what it means. So it has to do with that. And uh, you see as the letter ha, which it's H in English, we call it ha in Arabic. Ha. Ha. Allah. 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 See that? The final breath. breath At the end. Yeah, we use it a lot in in poetry that has sad endings, you know. It's a sad ending sound that when people are... um, You know, everything in life... It has to do with going back to the breath. Sure. Gurdjieff said, time is for beginners and breath is for finishers. <laughs> That's fantastic. Isn't it? So the more you pay more attention to your breath, the more you are more grounded mm. and you know you go into your own self. Yeah, and what a terrible fear and anxiety when caused you are not by there. when you
0: can't breathe. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know.
1: that's And a lot of times anxiety is comes from like you don't know how to breathe. Yes, very you know? much so. And uh, and a lot of things happen to people when they're little mm. that take their breath away. Sure, punched in the stomach, you fall from a height, you, any number of things. Especially in, in in my country, they they beat children up. I'm here too. Sure, but yeah, I'm... they abuse them. They beat them up, mm. and uh, the child lives in between Cheer. those states of crying all of his life. Yeah, not understanding why this happened to him, mm. and and the body, as as you know, from you are a body worker, and I'm too, and sometimes I have people here on massaging, and I start crying. And it's so God didn't happen to you yet. I've not felt the urge to cry, but I've definitely felt some
0: things that are not, uh, that I don't have a normal explanation for. Yeah.
1: When I play that oud music and I start massaging people and I can sense people's feelings that are under the skin that's coming out. And there's a lot of abuse in there. Yes. You know, it's so funny after my operation, I would be sitting like in the rehab and the the room and I start crying all of a sudden and I cry and I cry and I cry deeply and it is because what I found out you know I asked myself why am I doing that and a part of myself answered me he said your heart is angry Mm. a part of you when they open you there are so many feelings that we're talking about surgical the physical surgery sure but we as a human beings, there is an emotional surgery that's going on at the same time. There are so many feelings under the skin that are held by the muscles. Mm. You know, your muscular sure. system, as you know, the body is made of so many different systems. Right. And one of them is the muscular system that sure. we work on as massage therapists. And that has a lot of emotions in it. And yeah. that's why sometimes when when you're working on people, people start, cannot breathe or they start having the, their nose get stuffy. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these, not just physical things happening to people. Right. A lot yeah. of emotions going on. Psychological effect pre- presenting as You're physical... touching, you're touching different parts of their lives. The, yes. The, and the body stores everything. It doesn't let go of anything. Not mm-hmm. even one incidence doesn't let go of. Yeah. That's how honest it is with you. It yeah. keeps everything for you. So I went through that when you know they cut through. Yeah, they're cutting. They, you know, a lot of layers that carry a lot of emotions for me got stirred up. I
0: can only imagine. I mean, you had open heart triple bypass surgery. Yeah. Surgery. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine your heart would be highly <laughs> pissed off by that.
1: <laughs> you know, the heart gets angry. It, <laughs> it does get imagine. angry with you, if and uh, especially when they, you know, they put it to sleep for six hours. Because they cannot put things in it if right. it's if it's working. It's sure. like you working on an engine in a car that's running. You can't. You have to shut down the shut engine down. Sure. in order to fix it, right? It's the same thing with your body. Yeah. With your heart. Oof. And they pump you by a machine. Right. A huge machine, you know, you know, and uh, and after that they're gonna wake it up. <laughs> And you will hope that he wakes up. <laughs> yeah, please after, come back. After this sleep. Don't be too mad. Know, they, come back. They are artistic today about doing that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing... Comes back. And it's an amazing surgery, yeah. A lot of math involved. Talking about math, the guy who wrote the science of algebra was Arabic. Very much
0: so, yeah.
1: His name was Al-Khawarizmi. Can you say Al-Khawarizmi? Al-Khawarizmi? No, I cannot. Al-Khawarizmi. <laughs> I cannot. Al-Khawarizmi. uh, The Mongolians attacked Iraq back in 1258 and threw all the books in the river, the Tigris River, Mm. and it turned blue. The the river turned blue for uh, probably 500 years because uh, everything was written in, in, in ink. You know, at that time, they used to pay people money, gold. They weigh the book and they pay you gold for it. That's how... Important for people, and there was a little booklet. They forgot to throw it in the in the, in the uh, river, and that booklet was an algebra bo- book. The little booklet by Khawarizmi. They built all the science of algebra from that booklet.
2: Wow!
1: So imagine the the knowledge that went down the drain with that river.
0: How many times have we done that to ourselves as a species?
1: And now the, the, the burning the, of Alexandria. The, they blew up, you know, in Iraq. They yeah. threw a lot of beautiful oh. museums, the art. that yes. They were sh- shot. And yes. Broken and expo- explosions and oh. that you're killing not just the regime. You're, you're killing civilizations of art Culture. and beauty. Yes.
2: Yeah. La, da, da. La 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 la.
1: A beautiful proverb in Arabic. It says, beer hajar." Don't ever drink from a well and throw a stone <laughs> in it. It's one of the most beautiful proverbs. Really, it's simple, but my mom used to tell me that all the time. Don't ever drink from a well. And throw <laughs> a stone. Don't ever drink from a well and throw a stone in it. Mm. You always have to be uh, uh, graceful, yes, for things that do that you know, give water your thirst, your right. So, I think that's a beautiful proverb. But this was a slang proverb,
0: well, some of the best ones usually are. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, you're welcome.
2: around just want to say thank you to all of our supporters and to ask that you give us a review on itunes like us on facebook or follow us on instagram at Monkeytooth. if you have any questions or suggestions drop us a note at mtp.dog that's mtp.dog thanking you
1: be good
2: <laughs> <laughs>